Hello everyone, nice to have you here again. This is the Perspectives on the Short Story Podcast from FSU Panama City. I'm your host, Michael, and in this episode I will be reading for you one of my finished and polished short stories, The Eridorian. So if you have the next half an hour to spare, and I would be very thankful for you to listen to what I have written. So without further ado, let's begin reading the story. Rapping at the door spooked Dorian out of her sleep, causing her to grasp at the edge of her sheets. Her nightcap did little to keep her hair in order, and her hurried breathing was interrupted by stray hairs in her mouth. Before answering the knock, she took a moment in the silence of her vast bedroom. Dorian had never been awakened at night. She questioned if she even was awake. She held out her hand in front of her. She could barely trace its shape in the shadow of the bed frame. Staring too long made them melt into different shapes, a physical manifestation of uncertainty. Dorian tried to snap out of it by forcing them to move. Wiggling her fingers only produced a cold, tactile sensation, but did nothing for her ability to see. She knew she would have to rely on touch to guide her. Dorian wondered what manner of reason could compel someone to knock at a door in the dead of the night. Though she knew it to be foolish, Dorian could not deny the fluttering excitement that raced within her heart. She tiptoed from her king-sized bed. She ran into the pillar she surmised was closest to the door. She flailed her arms about in the darkness like a calf learning to walk for the first time, and, using the intricate carvings of her dresser as a guide, navigated her way to the door. Dorian gently pushed open her bedroom door, but the oak was far too aged to go quietly. She winced at its long screech, like that of a wounded animal. Only her left eyelid peeked open, because she was afraid of what she might see in the hall, but no one was there. She walked stealthily down the hall, slinking in the shadows, Dorian avoided the chilling blue light that leaked through the tall curtains to her right. To her left, she passed by several bedrooms, kept pristine despite their empty beds. Underneath her feet, she took care to ensure there were no creases made in the rug below. If she did happen to create one with a misplaced step, she immediately threw herself to the ground to spread out the bump with her hands, giving the now taut fabric a satisfactory pat. At the end of the long hall, Dorian crept down the staircase. The ancient steps whimpered at the slightest pressure, throwing her heartbeat into more of a frenzy with each creak. She grasped the railings, palms sliding down the dark wood. She stopped near the first floor when she felt a slight prick on her right palm. Rattled by the pain, she probed her right palm and located a splinter. Gulping, she swiftly tugged the sharp piece out and balled her fist. Somehow, the numbing pain slightly tamed her fear. She steadied herself, approached the door, and placed her left hand over the handle. She rotated the knob halfway, but then hesitated. What exactly would she be inviting into her house at this hour? She remembered the people.
Nothing. There was no one there. Just the same ethereal white-blue fog that obscured the streets at night. Dorian could make out some distant, flickering lights, but not much else. Disappointed, she resigned herself to her bedroom. Of course, whoever knocked would have left by this point. She had taken too long to answer her door. Maybe it was a prank, pulled by some spoiled urchin looking to harass the denizens of the old quarter. Maybe it was her imagination. She had heard it at the edge of consciousness and sleep. Perhaps it was a lingering sound from her nightmares that had trickled into reality. But there were other possibilities, too. Possibilities Dorian didn't want to linger on. She made her way to the foot of the stairs and resolved to get a good night's sleep. The knock was the same as before, but much louder. Dorian felt a chill race up her back. She mustered a single whispered demand. Please go away. There's no one home. Whatever was on the other side heard her. I know you're in there. Please, please, you must help me. I'm lost. The voice was clear, close, almost in her ear. It was the voice of a desperate child. Dorian marched towards the door. Against her better judgment, she felt an unshakable gravity to help. What danger would a youngling pose to her? Children are innocent and harmless. The danger of the night outweighed any doubts that this was a delinquent. This call for help was real. Children were also short. Maybe that's why she missed them the first time around. She felt bad for neglecting to open the door sooner. No longer reluctant, Dorian opened the door with one swift motion. Oh, I knew you'd answer, cuz thank you, thank you, thank you, exclaimed the child. Dorian could see the child clearly now. He was a young boy, no older than seven. He wore scuffed black shoes, tattered knickers, and a white button-up with faded suspenders. On his tuft of black hair sat a brown bowler hat that was much too large for his head. It covered his eyes. The rest of his face was skinny, colored in a bluish pale. She wrote this off as the reflection from the fog, and she reasoned that he may be an underfed boy. Market prices had climbed for the past few years, and some families were struggling on moldy potato bread and salted pork scraps. The plight of less fortunate folk planted a seed of guilt in Dorian's stomach. She lived alone in a large townhouse, never having to worry about her next meal. She could at least hear out the boy's request. What's your name? Dorian asked, doing her best to sound friendly. My name's Julius, but you can call me Jules, he responded, grinning at the simple inquiry. Well, Julius, you have a lot of guts scampering around at night. There's a curfew during these sleeping hours, you know. There's no telling what lurks in the fog. Dorian held her hand over her brow and looked around as if to survey the very danger she just referenced. Satisfied with her lecture, 
she thought she had secured enough trust. She continued her performance with an extended hand. Hmm, I believe your running has made you somewhat disheveled. Here, let me fix your collar. As Dorian bent down to adjust the boy's collar, he instantly recoiled. For a second, she met his eyes directly. They were hollow black, spilling out into his eyelids in cracks. The lack of pupils betrayed any indicator of focus. Regardless, she felt his gaze grabbing a hold of her, making her shiver as the corners of her vision blackened. Dorian stiffened into a standing posture out of instinct. She composed herself as best as she could, knowing a scream would attract the guards. I I I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to... It's okay, Dory. Just don't do it again, please, spoke Julius in a forgiving tone. Her vision cleared, but her mind was still spiraling. Dorian's scrambling brain came to a screeching halt when she heard her own name leave Julius's lips. She hadn't told him her name. Did she have a nameplate on the mailbox at her door? She couldn't remember. Uh, well, um... You said you are lost, Jules. Why don't you um, why don't you come inside and eat first? Do you like tartlets? Dorian smiled as she made her offer, not knowing whether she was trying to be hospitable or trying to appease him. Maybe it was both. The image of his eyes wandered back into her mind, growing intensely. She had never heard of anyone with black eyes outside of wives' tales concerning stray spirits that tormented the living. Surely the bedtime stories were just fiction to regulate unruly children. However, Dorian could not deny her confidence in what was and what wasn't real breaking by the minute. This was fable and reality merging into one. The boy responded to her smile kindly, widening his cheeks to reveal a set of perfectly white teeth. He reached into a back pocket and pulled out a bent envelope. I really appreciate that, cause I really do. But what I really need is your help with this. It's a letter. I need to get it to the post office tonight, but I lost my way trying to find it. This town is a labyrinth, and I ended up over here by accident. The fog is so scary. Guards scare me, too. They seem... well... they don't seem like the friendly sort. But you do! I know you're a good soul, Dorian. Will you help me? Dorian could hear the terror in his voice, especially concerning the guards. She understood his fears. There were rumors abound about the Night Watch. These men were never seen in the daytime as their nocturnal schedules would prevent their appearance. She had only ever seen the dizzying amber glow of their lanterns pass by in the fog at night. Whatever carried the light, she did not want to find out. Well, I would love to help you, Jules, but why can't we just wait until the sun rises? Dorian suggested. The boy shook his head, the bowler hat swiveling around in response. He waved the envelope in front of her, fixing his hat with his other hand. 
I cannot wait till the morning. This needs to be delivered now. Please. I don't... I don't know what will happen if I miss this chance. Please. Dorian swallowed a gulp as she weighed her options. From her knowledge of the post office, the couriers came to collect at dawn. Trying to wake up before then would be a gamble without an alarm. That would delay the letter by at least a day. So, Jules, what do you want to deliver this letter for? Must it be sent tonight? Surely one more day couldn't hurt. This did not please Julius. The image of his ink-black eyes spilled back into her mind, causing her to breathe heavier. I cannot wait, Dory. There is no time. This letter must be sent tonight, or there will be consequences. I would not want to endanger you, he said, his voice shifting into a deeper register. Dorian gulped and tried to ground herself back into the conversation. Closing her eyes gave her a brief respite. She could try to call the guards, but that would be cruel. He may not have been a normal boy, but he was still a boy. His lips quivered and his body shook as he pled. She was also afraid of the Night Watch and didn't want to meet them. She could turn the boy away, but she also thought that to be heartless. He was lost. She even thought about insisting he come in and spend the night. There were plenty of extra beds. However, the prospect of letting a pale, midnight stranger inside, even if it was a child, scared her, though she was ashamed to admit it. Dorian sighed. There was only one option she could live with. Okay, Jules, I can take you to the post office. I've lived in this town my whole life, so I know the streets well. But I need you to always stay by my side and follow my word. We cannot have the guards seeing us. Julius raised his arms in joy, cracking a wide smile as he leapt up in celebration. His bowler hat leapt even higher, landing at an angle on his scalp. At that moment, Dorian thought she had seen his skin glow with a fairer sheen, bursting with warmth. The comfort prepared her for the impending journey. Oh, thank you so, 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 so much, Dory. You're the greatest. I promise I'll be as quiet as a mouse by you. You have my word. Okay, then. Take my hand, Julius. Dorian extended her left hand towards the boy, and he met it with his own. His touch chilled her to the bone. While it was cold outside, the boy's skin was much colder. He liked the warmth of her touch, though, since he gripped tightly. With that, the two were off to the post office. Dorian decided against wearing her noisy, everyday shoes that she liked to tap on the stone roads. Instead, she braced her stockinged feet into an old pair of brown slippers. She thought about suggesting to the boy to walk silently, but then she remembered the lack of sound he made when he jumped moments earlier. That should have produced a loud thump, but she heard none. The old quarter was easy enough to navigate. Dorian surmised the guards typically only made the rounds here once a night, so the chances of them being spotted early were slim. 
the inhabitants were as ancient as the buildings. They were deep sleepers and would only rise to the morning church bells. Nonetheless, she had to rely on hugging the walls and corners to find her way, as the thick fog made it impossible to see more than a few feet in front of her. The poorly maintained stony roads jutted into the soles of her slippers, which she could feel with each step. She winced with the bumps and bends of each crack in the road. It did beat walking barefoot, at the minimum. At the edge of Warden Street, she turned to Julius for the fifth time since they had departed. The sound of water streaming nearby informed her of their location. Jules, she whispered, we're almost there. This bridge over the water connects to the market district, which will be more thoroughly guarded. I need you to be extra careful, okay? Julius nodded in understanding. The two of them began their trek across the arched bridge. The burbling water below washed out the rhythm of their steps. For a few moments, only the bridge was visible in the fog. It was an endless road both ways. Once they had made it onto the other side, Dorian heard distant footsteps from behind. She quickly ducked behind the brick wall at the street's edge. Julius moved in kind, though he didn't need a crouch due to his diminutive stature. Dorian snuck a glance over the top, doing her best to maintain her breathing. Her breaths were deafening in the silence. In the distance, a pair of orange lights danced in the space they had come from. Dorian knew it was the guards. Her heartbeat rose, knocking on her ribs frantically to break out. A ringing invaded her ears. The guards and their lanterns traveled together in unison like a pair of eyes to a roaming beast. The more she stared, the more fiercely the lights burned. The ringing got louder. They knew she was staring, and they stared back. Dorian was awakened from the entranced state by a tug on her arm. Hey, cuz, are you okay? I think we need to move. You're right. Thank you, Jules. Let us continue. We might need to take a detour down an alley. The guards are more persistent than I thought. Dorian led Julius to the side, avoiding the main street. She was in disbelief that any guards could have caught their trail. She had sworn she had seen none in the old quarter moments ago. The unique environment of the market district helped distract her mind. From what she could discern, the vendors had left out their supplies and stock in the stalls. There was no need to worry about thieves when the fog provided a natural deterrent. She stepped along the edge of the street next to the waterfront stores. They passed along a tailor and furniture store. Out of the corner of her eye, Dorian glanced into the windows, past the peeling text that adorned them. In the former, there was a possessed needle passing a cotton thread through a ripped dress on a table. She surmised her weary eyes were playing tricks. In the next door, a rocking chair creaked back and forth. Trying to ignore the abnormal sight, 
she noticed her reflection in the window. She was sweating and trembling, but there was nothing else around her. Not even Julius. Dorian could feel his hand in hers, seeing the tightened skin of her palm in the window. She turned around to him. The bowler hat was tilted from running, but intact. Dorian felt relieved that he was still there. Though Julius scared her, she was more concerned with delivering his letter. Dorian marched on, entering the alley she used to play hide-and-seek in when she was younger. The nostalgia wore off quickly, though, as the night completely warped her memory. The narrow walls closed in on her, feeding her claustrophobia. Her soles tingled as a cold dampness touched her slippers. She looked down and saw the culprit, a leaking sewage pipe pouring into a drain. Squinting, she noticed the fluid wasn't transparent. It was misty, emanating flecks of white around it. It was also thicker than water. She shook her shoe to get rid of the substance. When she looked up, the alley was different. The old walls had shifted their brick patterns around. She did her best to focus on getting to the other side. Finally, she made it to the street at the alley's exit. If she remembered correctly, this brought them a block away from the post office. Unfortunately, there would be no cover here, since the post office was in the town square. She just had to hope there wouldn't be any guards passing by. Looking both ways out of the alley, she didn't spot any orange lights. Dorian and Julius proceeded ahead. The anticipation rose in Dorian's chest. Her hesitations and fears washed away with a promise of gratification that she had helped a lost child. She strode away from the safety of the walls and took the most direct path to the post office, boldly stepping forth to complete her quest. Julius had to jog to keep pace with her, but he raised no objections to her sudden spike in confidence. He even skipped a little, reveling in the levity of it. Dorian stood before the outgoing box, beaming at the slot. She turned to Julius, who silently handed her the crumpled envelope with a nod. His black eyes met hers, but she sensed no malice in them. She was no longer afraid of him, even if he was different. She smiled back and took the letter. With her right palm, she strained out the envelope. Dorian ignored the tinge of pain from the paper chemicals irritating her fresh splinter. She did regret the small bloodstain she left on its back, though. She pressed it into the box, feeling an invigorating satisfaction course through her veins. Thank you, Dory spoke Julius's voice, now far away. Hey! The second voice shouted from the left, a distorted snarl. It wasn't quite human. Dorian's bravery shattered in an instant. The guards had found them. She frantically spun around, searching for the boy. He was nowhere to be found. She was left alone. In a panic, Dorian rushed away from the post office into a different alley. The 
bricks shifted in the walls, swapping positions and popping in and out. A cacophony of trampling boots bored into her ears. Her slippers flew off, leaving her stockings to tear against the stone. She was numbed to the pain in her feet and the fatigue of her body. Bright red lights spilled into the fog and reflected off the bricks behind her, staining them dark red. She didn't look back, hustling to the old quarter as fast as her body would allow her. Her mind was so singularly focused on getting home that she didn't notice the lights had stopped when she was across the bridge. She didn't care. Dorian shut and locked the door behind her once she had made it back home. She launched into her bedroom and pulled the covers over her body as she burst into tears. With labored breathing, she swore she would never venture out into the fog again. Yellow rays pierced through the windows of Dorian's bedroom as she awoke in the morning. Surprisingly, she felt warm and refreshed after one satisfying stretch. She threw her sheets to the floor and inspected her night garb. There were no dirt marks or tears on the soles of her stockings, and the skin on her right palm was unblemished. Perhaps it was just a bad dream. There were too many extraordinary things for that night to be reality. And why would she make such a ridiculous decision to go out during the curfew? She knew better. Getting up from her bed, Dorian let out a content yawn and walked out. The hallway bore no signs of irregularities. The rug sat squarely in the center, flat on the ground. Dorian opened the curtains to the right, allowing the sun to wrap her in warmth. She then continued downstairs, hurrying to the front door. This was her favorite part of the morning, and she couldn't ever wait past breakfast for it. She eagerly opened the door and turned to the mailbox. Unhinging the latch, she opened it to a single envelope. Hairs raised on her arm as she brought it to her eyes. It was the same type of envelope she had delivered in her dream. Or last night? She couldn't decide now. The line between dreams and reality was blurring. She slowly turned the envelope around with her quivering fingers. It lacked any creases, but the resemblance was uncanny. The back confirmed her fears. Across the middle was a small, faded, brown bloodstain. It was her blood. Dorian, gulping, looked around as she clutched her letter. Other people were going about their normal day. A middle-aged man passed by, carting a cabbage stall. He waved at her with a smile. She couldn't muster a smile back, but she offered a slight wave with her fingers. This was real life. Dorian pulled a letter opener from her dress pocket and tore open the envelope. Pulling out the paper with her left hand, she unfurled it to reveal the first few words. Dear Dorian. And that brings the story to a close. Thank you so much for listening. 
Well, anyway, that's the end of this episode. And as always, let me know if you have any thoughts or feedback. I always love to read what others think of my work. I look forward to having you for the next episode. As always, this has been the Perspectives on the Short Story podcast from FSU Panama City. I've been Michael, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.